Beloved, we open back to Psalm 20 again this evening, as you just sang, and where we went for this morning's sermon. Uh, This morning was verse 1 that we looked at. This evening we will look at verse 2 together. Psalm 20, verse 2. I'd like to go ahead and read the whole psalm first, as again, it's brief. I won't be looking at too many of the other verses, less than I did this morning. So just to give you a a sense and a feel of the context. Then we'll go back and read verse 2, but connected to verse 1, because it's kind of a continuation of thought. Hear now the word of the Lord, Psalm 20. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Let's repeat verses 1 and 2 together, as verse 2 is our sermon text tonight, continuing from verse 1 this morning. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Verse 2 again, the Lord send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. As I noted, please have Psalm 84 marked for your convenience. We'll be looking at that uh, enough of the verses there that it'll be easier to turn there with you. Well, we studied verse 1 of Psalm 20 this morning. And we saw the context is asking God for an answer and defense out of troublous times. That's the main context. I'm in troublous times. I'm asking you to help me out. Verse 2 tonight is a continuation of the thought. Uh, Lord, help me. Send me help from the sanctuary. Strengthen me out of Zion. It's a continuation of the idea of seeking assistance with troublous times. So verse 1 needs to be in view as we look at verse 2. We're in troublous times. We're still thinking about that. But more is being said. Now, in this verse, in verse 2, we see that when in troublous times, we can trust God to help, And strengthen his covenant people to endure. That's the main idea of our verse in context. When in times of trouble we can trust God to help and strengthen his covenant people to endure. It's a little bit of a nuance here I draw out. In the morning uh, sermon on verse 1, the message was trust God to hear and lift you out of troublous times. We saw there that God will often carry us up and out of tribulations, out of uh, troublous times, especially on the last great day. Still, there are times he will equip us to carry on. Sometimes he'll carry us out of it. Sometimes he'll equip us to carry on. And tonight, 
we see that we are to trust God to help and support you through troublous times. That's the message for you this evening based on verse 2. Trust God to help and support you through troublous times. If he doesn't lift you out of the troublous times, you can be sure he will support you through troublous times. God will strengthen and see you through all troublous times. God will strengthen and see you through all troublous times. Think about Elisha. What did he pray for? He prayed for his servant's eyes to be open because he was scared about all the trouble around him, all the danger around him. And Elisha prayed for his eyes to be opened, and the Lord opened his eyes, and he was able to see with eyes of the Spirit the, the true uh, spiritual reality that the myriads of horses and chariots of fire were all around them protecting them, far greater than what I could see on earth. Send help. He says in verse 2 of our text, send help. May God send you help from the sanctuary. But that help can include, of course, from the angelic hosts. Uh, There was a sermon a while back, angels are all around you. Hebrews 1 verse 7, quoting Psalm 104 verse 4 says this, And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Ministers to you, his church, protecting you like those chariots and horses of fire with Elisha. The Lord is opening your eyes, if you will, we pray tonight, and reminding you to see the truth of what is there that you can't see with eyes of faith, but walking by faith, the Lord will show you this, by believing the truth of his word. So he sends strength even with the angels. Remember when Christ was born, the angelic host was there proclaiming uh, the goodwill to men. They're like an, they are an army of God. And this is important to remember because there are demonic forces against us. We know the battle is spiritual. Ephesians 6, it's with principalities of the air. And so we have angels there protecting us. Hebrews 13, verse 5, send help. He has sent us Christ to save us of our sins. And in the Holy Spirit, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Hebrews 13, 5, God is always with us. He strengthens us himself. And the Holy Spirit is sent by Christ to comfort you, to counsel you, and strengthen you. So we pray that he would send us help, and then he says, may he strengthen you. May he strengthen you. The Hebrew for strengthen in the text, Psalm 20, verse 2, means it has the idea of support, giving support. We bend, but we don't break. Because God always holds us up. He's always bearing us under. We hold on because he is our help. Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Thus verse 7 of Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots, speaking of earthly chariots. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, earthly horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Remember this morning we saw it's the name of uh, the God of Jacob that defends us. And it is our almighty God that has those angels ministering and defending us. Spiritual battles going on around us. Trust that the Lord has angels around this building at this moment. There are all kinds of spiritual attacks looking to manifest themselves in 
in human form or other forms, and the angels are surrounding and protecting us because of God's presence with his people. We won't trust in the things of this world. We'll trust in God. And if he doesn't take you out of the trouble, he will take you through it. And that's what we also need to be praying. Lord, if you won't take me out, then indeed take me through it. And he will strengthen you to do so in him. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, if you look back at our text, verse 6 we see the same. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. And of course, the right hand of the Lord is what always saves and delivers his people. Where does Jesus Christ sit? Presently in the heavens as king at God's right hand. Where it says in Colossians 3, your lives are hid with him. We can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. Now, here's the thing. That strength becomes our strength. We are reminded that we don't have any strength in ourselves. We don't want to rely on our own strength. But as we turn to Christ and his strength, that strength is our strength in us. Thomas Watson and Jeremiah Burroughs, in their books on contentment, they point that out with this verse, Philippians 4.13, that it's our strength. He's working his strength in us by the Holy Spirit. It's not derived from within, but it's deposited from without and above. Namely, the Holy Spirit working his fruits in you because he has worked Christ's salvation in you. He saved you from the tempter and you will not be destroyed. This is the P in tulip. Perseverance of the saints. Saints, before God ultimately lifts you up in the resurrection, you will persevere unto the end. And the main preservative means he uses is corporate, public worship as the temple of God that you are. God mainly strengthens and sees you through all troubles in gathered, corporate, covenanted worship. God will strengthen and see you through all troubles, and God mainly strengthens and sees you through all troubles in gathered worship. And I have in particularly in view covenanted, corporate worship as his church. Think about this. When Jonah is in the sea, he's been cast into the sea, later swallowed up in the belly, why did he pray toward the temple? In Jerusalem. He's, he's far away in Tarshish. As, as far as he knows, he's at the end of the earth. As far as the known earth is for him. And yet he doesn't pray just straight up. He prays with a sense of towards God's temple in Jerusalem. Why? Because it represented God's house and God's presence amidst his people. The temple in Jerusalem. So where does God's help primarily come from to you? Psalm 20, verse 2, the sanctuary. May God send you help from the sanctuary. Hebrew here is literally the holy. 
And of course, it has in view saying like the holy place. But look at the context to make it clear. It's in corporate, covenanted worship where that is. And at this point, it's the tabernacle or the temple it will be. Uh, it is the place where God has told us how to worship him, where to worship him, with whom. With whom. Verse 3 at that time, this would have applied. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. God sends you help from the sanctuary. Which is why there's a lot of people and there's a lot of Christians who aren't getting much help. They seek it everywhere else and in other gatherings. But that's not where God sends it. Consistently, cumulatively over time. He sends it from the sanctuary. Covenanted corporate worship. Not primarily private worship, but public profession in his special presence as the assembly of God, as the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is why Psalm 73 speaks about, you know, I was like a beast, I'm troubled, I'm all upset. And then I came to you, Lord, and I remember that I don't have anyone in heaven but, or on earth but you. You are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But in that context, when he's talking about how upset he was and he's complaining about how bad things are around him and people are around him, as he's troubled, that begins to subside by hiding in God's holy place. He says in verse 17, Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. You see, coming into the sanctuary, coming to the means of grace, primarily the preaching of God's word, the administration of the sacraments, and prayer together in covenanted corporate worship as the visible church. This is where he primarily works, and he gives us perspective. I remembered. I remember my end. I remember their end. I get perspective. I get peace. Matthew Henry writes this, this help and this strength, it comes, quote, not from common providence, but from the Ark of the Covenant and the peculiar favor God bears to his chosen people, Israel, that he would help him in performance of the promises and in answer to the prayers made in the sanctuary. Mercies out of the sanctuary are the sweetest mercies such as are the tokens of God's peculiar love, the blessing of God, even our own God. And from where does the strength come? We see that the help comes from the sanctuary. Where does the strength come? He says, may God strengthen you in our verse tonight. Where does the strength come from? Yes, from God, but through what means? Out of Zion. Out of Zion. What is Zion? Mount Zion. It is the place where the temple is. It's the place where they go for the special ceremonies every year. They go to Zion. They go to Jerusalem, to Mount Sinai, or excuse me, Mount Zion, where the temple is, the holy hill where the temple was built in Jerusalem, where the sacrifices are made, the representation of God with us. Because of blood sacrifice to cleanse us of our sins. Pointing to the reality of that in Christ. Zion is where God's people gathered from all the tribes and their territories for special ceremonies. Thus they were there to hear Peter's sermon 
of Christ on Psalm 16 in Acts chapter 2 at the time of Pentecost. Because this is where they gather. In 2 Samuel 5, 7, 1 Kings 18, verse 1, Zion is called the city of David in Jerusalem. Where the ark was in the temple, all representing God's special presence with his people because of the blood sacrifices around it and the ministration of the priests fulfilled in Christ. John Calvin writes this. May he, may God, succor thee out of Mount Zion where he commanded the ark of the covenant to be placed and chose for himself a dwelling place The weakness of the flesh will not suffer men to soar up to heaven, and therefore God comes down to meet them, and by the external means of grace shows that he is near them. Thus the Ark of the Covenant was to his ancient people a pledge of his presence, and the sanctuary an image of heaven. But as God by appointing Mount Zion to be the place where the faithful should continually worship him, had joined the kingdom and priesthood together, David, in putting into the lips of the people a prayer for help out of Zion, doubtless had an eye to this sacred bond of union. Now remember, Jesus fulfills all this. He brings us into God's special presence. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the Lamb of God. He's the high priest of God after the order of Melchizedek. And he's applied his blood of the sacrifice on the cross, having ascended to God's right hand into the Holy of Holies with an unceasing priesthood. We dwell with God and we experience a special presence dwelling with God as we dwell together in worship. Zion is where God dwelt with his people. Psalm 9 verse 11, Psalm 76 verse 2, Psalm 132 verse 13 says God dwelt in Zion. It's where his special presence is with his people. It's a place of worship. Psalm 78 verse 68, he chose Zion with Judah from whence Christ came, which he loved. He loved Zion. Further, Psalm 50 verse 2 says this, Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Psalm 65 verse 1, Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. Thus, Psalm 84 verse 8. Would you keep Psalm 20 marked, please? I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 84. We sing it every Lord's Day in the evening. And uh, we sang it all completely last week, preparing for last week's sermon. We won't look at all of it, but I want to turn you ahead to verse 8 first. Psalm 84, verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. I want you to recognize there that that relates to verse 1 of Psalm 20 we looked at this morning. He's calling to the God of Jacob, the covenant God of his people, who is with his people. He delivers them. He delivers them by carrying them out of something or simply carrying them through something, himself being with them always. Give ear, O God of Jacob, hear me. Again, that idea of verse 1, hear me, Lord. The God of Jacob. But, but notice verses 1 to 7 leading up to it. 
The whole context is crying that out in the corporate worship of God with his people. How amicable, excuse me, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion before God. Notice, he's saying, I just love to be in God's house. I'd rather be here than anywhere else. As he goes on to say, I'd rather be a keeper at the door than outside in the world in other people's tents. I'd rather be in God's house worshiping him. Now, I can't help but think of uh, giving a little attention to verse 6. Passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. What was he saying there? He's basically saying, I'll go through a desert to get to worship. I will not let anything stop me, and I'll find a way to get drink. I'll make lemonade out of lemons. I will get to worship. And uh, I've shared with you uh, before in pastoral devotions, emails, now posts on our website, about a lady, and I have this picture. I just put it in a frame. I've kept it for years. It was passed on to me by, by Elder Renner. It was given uh, by another pastor. Uh, and it was of a lady with her four children, I believe, in the Philippines. And she had walked something like two or three hours to get to where they would pick her up and bring her to worship at a Reformed church rather than a Catholic church. And she couldn't even bring all of her kids. I think she might have had something like seven, and her husband hadn't started going with her yet. And we're talking about walking through a lot of difficult terrain, including in the dark. Great sacrifice to get there. And they asked her, why do you do this? And she says, I have to get my people, excuse me, I have to get my children around the word of God. Oh, she could have just read her Bible at home, right? I have to get my people around the preached word of God, the worship of God in the Holy of Holies through Christ, in the, in the special assembly of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the means of grace by God's ordained ways. I have to get my kids there. Man, can you imagine a mother so committed to get her young children, four of them, through such a situation just to get to the best church possible? The Valley of Baca is what I use that as an illustration. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of me getting to church to worship the Lord, nor my family. These days, we let just about anything get in the way. Too many. Just about anything. Now, remember, there are those who need to be home today due to uh, illness and injury. There are valid reasons. But it's the kind of thing that should make you long to be back. It's the exception, not the rule. Thankful to see nodding heads. We all know. 
What a blessing it is to be with God's people. And we all know how there's plenty of bakas every Lord's Day to try to keep us away. We fight through it. We get here, and we never go away hungry. We always go away quenched, and we always go away saying it was good for me to be with God and his people. That's why we sing Psalm 84 to open every Lord's Day evening worship. How good it is to be together worshiping God in his house. Psalm 99 verse 2. The Lord is great in Zion. And he is is high above all the people. Again, Zion was the place where the temple was built. In Jerusalem. It was the place of God's special manifestation of his presence. Through the means of salvation pointing to Christ. Isaiah 58 verse 14. Remember it says God will feed you with the heritage of Jacob thy father. Why? Verse 13. Because you're willing to honor the Sabbath day. And by honoring it you delight in it. And by delighting in it you delight in me. So I will delight in sanctifying you. And I will cause you to eat of the heritage of Jacob thy father. He who is the God of Jacob. A really important scripture, Psalm 2, a particularly messianic psalm of Christ used in the New Testament. Psalm 2, verses 6 to 7, specifically of Christ Jesus the Messiah. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. You see, Zion's really in heaven. It's the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city that will be coming out of heaven down to earth. It's where he is now. It's where you're worshiping now through him. Christ is said to be king of the holy hill of Zion. Matthew 21, verse 5, quoting Zechariah 9, verse 9 of Jesus, when he rode into Jerusalem and entered the temple, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. Romans 9, verse 33, drawing on Isaiah 28, 16, and Psalm 118, verse 22. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion, a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Jesus refers to himself like that, quoting such scriptures. But he is the cornerstone of Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the true Mount Zion, the eternal church and people of God. Romans 11, verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. You see, the Savior in salvation comes out of the Jews by the King of the Jews. Zion representing God's people, the church. Isaiah 52, verse 7, quoting Romans 10, verse 15. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God 
reigneth. It's talking about ministers bringing the gospel to people, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where? To Zion. God's people are still Zion. And we know in the New Testament, we are the spirit, uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no more temple on earth. The temple is now spreading throughout the earth as his people. Psalm 42. Remember, David was repeating this phrase three times between Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 about how he was feeling downcast and how was he going to deal with it. And how did he deal with it? He found his strength in God as the health and help of his countenance. But how more particularly did he find his strength from God? When he was terribly downcast. Verse 4 of Psalm 42. I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept holy day. You're in the best place you could possibly be right now. Worshiping God on his holy day with his people who are called the saints or the holy ones. The temple of the Holy Spirit, Zion. Remember Jesus Christ speaking to the churches of Asia in the Revelation. He says he is walking in the midst of the candlesticks. The candlesticks being representing the churches. He's in our midst. He meets with us, especially within our meeting together with him. Uh, Vern Poitras writes this about the idea of um, Zion. He says, Christians who are united to Christ have a heavenly citizenship. Philippians 3 verse 20. They have access to the assembly of saints on the heavenly Mount Zion. And he refers to Hebrews 12, verses 12 to 24. I encourage you to go there if you want to think more about this topic tonight. That'd be a good place to go and apply the text, Hebrews 12, 12 to 24. But let me give you verse uh, 20, excuse me, 22 to 24. Let me give you Hebrews 12, verse 22. But ye, speaking to Christians, coming and worshiping God together in Christ as the New Testament church, but ye are come unto Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable company of angels. Now this is speaking to the New Testament Christians. And there's a contrast made here between the gathering of God's people in the Old Testament. It's saying you have come to the heavenly Mount Zion, the heavenly city of God that Revelation speaks of. It's going to come down onto earth. You're already there. You're already coming to the true Mount Zion in heaven, the true temple of God as his temple, Christ God with us. He's the veil, remember, of the holy temple. He brings us into God's presence. These earthly tabernacles and temples preparing us, prefiguring Christ and who we are now in Christ. You, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you're in a a better situation than the Old Testament because through Christ you are now in the Mount Zion in heaven. This is speaking to Christians in contrast to the earthly shadow of Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the temple, which are prefiguring types of the full reality in Christ's coming and in his second coming. It's speaking to gathered, worshiping Christians 
come to the true temple in heaven in covenanted Christian worship. All that being said, when he says, may the Lord send you help out of the sanctuary. May he strengthen you out of Zion. It's saying really the same thing, but giving you a little bit broader perspective. Go into the sanctuary and worship God there. Keep in mind where it is. It was at Zion in Jerusalem. He's taking us now to Mount Zion in heaven. And where is the broader place you find it until he returns in the church worshiping him? That being said, let your conviction and let your commitment be this. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is where God sends you help. This is where God sends you strength. Do you need strength to get going? Do you need strength to keep going on? Begin each Lord's Day in the Lord's house, worshiping with his people. Otherwise, don't be surprised when you go out the rest of the week and you lack his help in your own weakness. Psalm 122, verses 1 to 4, which we always sing outside, encouraging people to come in and worship with us in the morning. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. When people say, come on, it's time to go to church. When we say as family members, come on, get up, time to go to church. The response should be, yeah, you can't hold me back. I was already getting up. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 87, verse 2. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. What's he saying? The place of worship in his special presence with his covenant people is more pleasing to him than the general neighborhood around the tabernacle in the temple of his people as a nation or even his people out there in the world and society. He loves his people. The dwellings of Jacob, but he particularly loves the gates of Zion, where he dwells in the sanctuary, where his people meet with him and dwell with him in a special way. And therefore, so should you say, I love the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. Why do you go every Lord's Day to morning and evening worship? Because I love the, I, I, I love the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. You know, I know my... God's people, my beloved brethren in Christ, are out there and we meet and interact on occasion. We phone calls, emails, sometimes get together. 
but there's nothing like getting together for public worship together as we taste and see that God is good, as we come to exalt him, magnify him together, preparing for his return on the last great day, every Lord's Day, celebrating his resurrection on the Christian Sabbath. And, and I, I think really uh, what should come through in our faces is not contempt, but pity and surprise. You don't know? You don't know what you're missing. Where else would I rather be, Psalm 84, than in the courts of the Lord, worshiping it with his people? Because, beloved, that's what heaven is, remember. We're going to be surrounding the throne and of the Lamb, worshiping him. Psalm 27, verse 5. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Or, excuse me, I, I read the previous psalm. Psalm 27, verse 5. For in the time of trouble, notice that's the context tonight of Psalm 21 and 2. Psalm 27, verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And who is the rock? Jesus Christ. And he hides you under the shadow of his wing as you gather together, worshiping him. Psalm 147, verse 12. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. Now notice this. You are Zion. The Bible tells you in the New Testament, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. As it becomes the name of God's special abiding with his people, Zion, therefore, Zion becomes the name of his people. With whom he abides and receives worship and ministers. And he will when the new Jerusalem and the heavenly city come down to earth. Similarly, Psalm 146, verse 10 says this, The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Now that's why verse 5 of Psalm 146 we were looking at recently says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob as his God. Remember in Psalm 20, verse 1, It's the God of Jacob that defends us. Happy are we to have the God of Jacob as our God. Psalm 146, verse 5, verse 10 again says, Because the Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Eternal life is with God. Eternal life is being part of his holy temple with the Holy Spirit in you. One day face to face. New heavens, new earth, new spiritual body. Beloved, see how God sees you through and strengthens you in troubles. Worshiping him in church as the communion of saints. He helps you from the sanctuary. He strengthens you from Mount Zion on which the temple sits. Speaking figuratively now, but even more truly of you in Christ as you approach Mount Zion in heaven and worship together, awaiting it to come down from heaven on the last great day with Christ's return. He helps you from the sanctuary. He strengthens you from Mount Zion, the place of corporate worship through the blood of the Lamb. Ultimately and truly from heaven, 
but now through you as his temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as God's assembly, worshiping him together, this is where he strengthens you. This is where he helps you. This is where you find the God of Jacob to be your defense. This is particularly where he hears and answers you in the day of trouble. The sad thing is too many Christians run from church and especially worship in the day of trouble. Oh, they they love to get the pastor to be their private priest and psychologist, but they're not interested in actually coming to worship. Therefore, they fall away and you find out later how weak they are and how they have no strength because it's found with God's people in corporate worship assembling as the Spirit's temple and holy worship. Just as it will be in heaven when you experience your full spiritual and bodily strength and need not cry for any help again. Revelation 21 verse 22 is the end of it all. It's what to look for, understanding Mount Zion in its fullness with Hebrews 12. And I saw no temple therein. How could that be? For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Revelation 14 verse 1. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. And with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Psalm 128, verse 5. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Beloved, keep coming to worship and looking to heaven and worshiping God together. Keep partaking of Christ within his covenant community through the ordinary means of grace. For this is where God sends you his help. This is where he strengthens you most manifestly to keep you on your pilgrimage. And you can and you will endure until you most assuredly reach the celestial city. Dear Christians, beloved of the Lord, as difficult as the journey often is, until God ultimately lifts you up and out of all troubles, trust God to help and support you through troublous times. And that's the message for you this evening. If he doesn't do verse 1, he will do verse 2. Trust God to help and support you through troublous times. And know that coming together to worship him on his holy day is where he'll do it the most. Out of the sanctuary. Help from the sanctuary. Strength out of Zion is where you can trust God to help and support you through troublous times. Praise the Lord, we're here this evening. I know he's doing it right now. Let us pray. Oh Lord God Almighty, we do thank you for helping us, for strengthening us, for hearing us and answering us, for defending us, O God of Jacob, as you meet with us with a special manifestation of your presence and glory in corporate covenanted worship. 
O Lord God, you are our help, you are our shield, our very present help in troubles. And let us remember to always come here primarily as our highest priority to be able to make it through the rest of the week. And thank you that you promise us you will never leave us nor forsake us. O great shepherd of the sheep, Lord Jesus Christ, because of the blood of the everlasting covenant, you will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death and in paths of righteousness for your own name's sake. Surely mercy and truth shall follow us all the days of our life and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we say thank you, O Lord God, and amen and amen. And we say in the spirit, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. And all your pilgrims said, amen. Beloved, I invite you now to turn with me to Psalm 133 in the Psalter. Psalm 67. Please stand. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Amen.